Fighting. Hatred. Fear. Had enough of the noise? Radio listeners, I hope you're having a spectacular day wherever you may be. I'm Dr. Henry Ely, but please call me Dr. H like so many other good people do. We have a very important show for you today to help you tap into the power you already possess, especially our parents out there. In just a couple of minutes, we'll talk about the elephant in the room, our children's really flagging, waning mental health, and what we can do as parents to make sure our children feel loved, liked, encouraged, and especially reassured. Let's not kid ourselves, folks. We're in very stressful times, maybe even very dangerous times, and our children need our help in navigating the daily crazy that's going on. I'm joined today by Healer Jen, who's done some incredible research into this topic. How are you doing today, Jen? I'm doing awesome. It's been such a great day. The sun's shining and I am just fabulous. How about you, Dr. H? You know what? I'm doing fantastic as well. I've been up until like two and three in the morning, (laughs) thanks to uh, the FDA and and Biden and all this stuff. But I got so much juice, especially when we're talking about our kids. You know, like to me, I will work 24 hours a day, seven days a week when it means that we're going to do something that's going to help our children. Don't you feel the same? Absolutely. I completely agree with that. All right. Well, listeners, remember the show is for you and today it's for our kids too. So each week we'll discuss at least one COVID factoid. It's something we're going to start adding into the show. We're also going to be publishing on the America Out Loud Network, a uh, article on COVID every week. So you can be updated on the latest trends so we can make sure we're honoring that, but we just don't want to make sure we want to make sure that every show isn't about COVID, if you know what I mean, because I'm kind of exhausted on the topic personally. Uh, So (laughs) exactly. So take a, uh, uh, take a little bit of time and you can send us questions uh, about this episode, previous episode to I am powerful at energetichealthinstitute.org uh, along uh, with your address, okay? Because if we read your question on the show, we'll send you a free copy of my book, Energetic Health Volume 1, Interesting Insights into Advanced Natural Medicine. So Jen, starting out, what's in our mailbag for today? Um, well, today this question comes from Andy in Oregon, and he writes that I got the COVID shot last week and started feeling really strange afterwards. Will intermittent fasting help in any way? Well, um, this is unfortunately, very sadly, um, and and not something that is uncommon. You know, they keep saying uh, every time on the news that this is uncommon. And and I go and I look at the vaccine adverse events reporting system. And every week is another 40,000 reports of of injury. So, um, you know, right now we are at over 600,000 reports of, uh, of injuries. Uh, we're at uh, over 13,000 reports of fatality post-inoculation, and, and we're at over 4,600 reports of death uh, within 48 hours post-inoculation. So that's, that's very concerning uh, uh, for me. So it's, this is not nearly as, um, 
as small an issue as some of our public health officials and, and elected officials would like Americans to believe, in my professional opinion, of course. When we're looking at this topic, and especially um, this question, I think it's important to always keep in mind that uh, Tom Renz, the, uh, the, the, the really superhero attorney out there fighting for us, um, and we're, I get the pleasure of interviewing him tonight. I can't wait to finally meet him. Um, one of the things that's really important to remember is that he's found whistleblowers that show pretty conclusively when they are looking at the data evidence that underreporting is at least five times is by a factor of five, meaning that whatever number you're getting in Varus, say for fatalities, 13,000, over 13,000, that you need to multiply that by at least five to get a accurate understanding of just how many people have died post-inoculation. So that would put that right off the bat at 65,000 deaths as of um, what was reported last week by the Vaccine Adverse Events Reporting System. So just some information for everybody right there on this. Now, um, Andy got the shot last week. And first thing we want to say to all of our listeners, we are not here to discriminate. We are not here to judge. We will never uh, ostracize someone because they got the shot or didn't. That is none of our business. Okay. So if you got the shot, you are welcome on this radio program. If you didn't, you are welcome on this radio program. We reject categorically all attempts to discriminate and divide us uh, in this country. We think it's deplorable, anyone who's making these kind of assertions. So everybody is welcome on this show. Um, and he says, uh, will intermittent fasting help in any way? Now, I can't say definitively yes, because we don't have the empirical evidence in studies to substantiate this. So I can say theoretically, yes. Theoretically, yes, from what I've seen clinically. Uh, so let me just tell uh, the audience a, a really short story. We'll actually, I think next um, month, do a whole show on this case study, Jen, um, okay. because it's an important case study. Uh, I, I was very fortunate to treat uh, a patient post-injury, a vaccine injury, post-inoculation uh, injury. And uh, what we found was he, his whole nervous system was shutting down. He was falling down, uh, uh, you know, with almost each step. He was, uh, his body was in tremendous pain, sweating, fevers, the whole nine. He was crashing. His systems were crashing. And so I, I said, well, we got to put some nutrients in there because we know that L-arginine, uh, we know that glutathione or N-acetylcysteine, uh, we know that uh, phosphatidylcholine, uh, all have been shown, uh, thanks to research done by the Salk Institute, to help reverse injuries induced by the spike protein. So we got him started on that. But, um, it, it, but I also said, you know what, what if we were able to get him fasted? So in his case, and I'm not advocating for this, this is for educational purposes only audience, okay? Make sure if you, before you do anything we share on here, you talk with a uh, doctor, uh, a licensed doctor that you trust. Okay, before I do not do what we're uh, what we're sharing here, just willy nilly. So uh, we started fasting. I actually put him on a seventy two hour observed water fast. He never left my sight uh, for seventy two hours and full recovery. So wow. um, we have that anecdotal evidence there. And one of the things I, I think Andy from Oregon that's really important is to get yourself in a, a habit, whether it's post-inoculation or not, a habit of intermittent fasting. The thing I am advocating to everyone right now who is scared about what's going on and their health is to get into a daily intermittent fasting practice to make sure every single day you are hungry. When you make sure you are hungry every single day, you give your body a chance to heal. Remember, hunger is 
healing. Okay. And I think that's the big message that we had from last week's broadcast. So, um, uh, Jen, um, any, any thoughts about that? Have you, well, have you I, been doing anything like that? I just, well, I, you know, first of all, I want to say that I feel like the statistics that you shared are just completely mind blowing. I mean, literally <laughs> my mind is blown. Um, as far as, um, intermittent fasting goes, I practice in intermittent fasting. I would say probably I try for seven days a week, but I think it ends up being more like five to six days a week. Mm -hmm. um, I have felt huge improvements and I've only been doing this for a few months. Well, maybe it's probably been more like six to eight months, um, but my energy is up. I'm, you know, everybody thinks that when you feel hunger, your brain is going to get foggy, but mm -hmm. I actually have the opposite happening when I, you know, when I'm not eating in full, um, I don't feel sluggish. I feel like I'm just on point with everything. And I've just really had a lot of great health things come from it. Um, and I actually am so proud of myself because I did my first 24 hour water fast last week and it was amazing. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I, way to go. I, yeah. And I didn't think that I was going to make it, you know, the day before I was like, how am I going to go 24 hours without eating? And honestly, everyone, it's really not that difficult. There was like one point maybe three quarters of the way through the day where I was mm -hmm. like, Ooh, am I going to be able to do this? But you know what? I drank some water. I took a breath and you know, it was fine. I did it and it was great. Right. You know, and, and I'm glad you brought that up because I'm now, uh, I'm, I'm intermittent fasting for 16 hours every day and uh, Fridays are just water fast days for me. Um, so I, I, moving forward and it's just, you know, I really feel strongly, for everyone, especially people who are really concerned about some of the variants and people who are really concerned that they may have been inoculated and it's not working, which we're hearing all over the place uh, right now is the best your body is designed to handle even this crazy situation, but you have to give it the ability to do so. And you're, when you allow yourself to be hungry, you are giving your body that opportunity to help heal you. So let yourself be hungry. Don't be scared of hunger. Hunger is a good thing. Hunger for 40 straight days is not a good thing, <laughs> but hunger for 24 hours is a good thing. Hunger for 16 hours is a good thing. It's those are hours that your body is using to heal itself. And it's very, very important that you give your body that gift every single day. Um, now uh, we have a COVID factoid uh, for the week that we'll go to break. The factoid of the week is going to be in conjunction with the uh, newly supposedly approved uh, FDA approved um, Pfizer um, uh, experimental vaccine. This, the factoid is when you go to the National Institutes of Health, you can research this and see this for yourself. They tell you point blank that the clinical trials for the Pfizer so-called vaccine does not end until May 2nd, 2023. So oh, man. how something can get approved while it's still in clinical trial, that's beyond me. It's certainly unethical and something that we have to look into as a society because this that's not right. All right, everybody. Well, stay tuned. We have a lot to share today to help you tap into the power you already possess and keep your kids protected from the craziness all around us. Be right back after these messages. Are you ready to tap into the power you already possess? 
fantastic. At the Energetic Health Institute, we've been helping amazing people just like you tap into their power, heal what hurts, and discover the incredible healing potential of organic, plant-based nutrition since 2013. Everyone at EHI is family because what makes us family is so much more than just blood. It's a shared belief that the body is designed to heal, that real food is real medicine, and that when it comes to us, when we come together, we become the greatest energy capable of making tomorrow amazing for everyone. Sound a little too foo-foo? We'll tell that to the hundreds of graduates who love EHI and the hundreds of thousands of people we've been able to help. Go to energetichealthinstitute.org, take a look around, fill out a scholarship application and give us a chance to meet you. We're blessed to have so many amazing people enrolled in our online programs and we want you to join our family and feel the love that we have to give. Trouble getting to sleep and staying asleep can be infuriating. Your mind races, you toss and turn and the harder you try, the harder it is to drift off. And today's digital age makes it even harder. You're not alone with this struggle. Poor sleep affects over 70% of Americans. Even the Centers for Disease Control labeled insufficient sleep a public health epidemic. To take back your sleep, Healthy Cell has created REM Sleep, the only sleep supplement made to support all four stages of human sleep with calming herbs, amino acids, and sleep hormone support delivered in a patent-pending, pill-free, ultra-absorption microgel formula that tastes great. Fall asleep, stay asleep, sleep deeply, and wake up refreshed with Healthy Cell's REM Sleep. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off your first order. That's HealthyCell.com, H-E-A-L-T-H-Y-C-E-L-L, and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off. All right. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, look, let's just call it what it is. Our children need us now more than ever, period. If you are missing that, I don't know what to tell you except to wake up. So let's just go ahead, right ahead, jump into the research and get this show on the road. Jen, based upon your research, what are the leading causes of death among young people in the United States? Um, well, suicide is actually the second leading cause of death um, between ages 10 to 34, um, but that's only followed um, accidental injury as the number one cause um, in this age range. There's been about a 60% increase, I believe, in suicides since 2007 up until about 2018. Mm -hmm. So it's pretty, it, it's pretty intense. And, and you know, so I, I, I found a little bit more data on this, especially uh, from the CDC. Okay, and we'll of course provide links. We always provide links. I wanna make sure everything we say, you can verify. It's very, very important to me in this day and age that what we say isn't just, you know, because it sounded good, but that you can actually right. verify what we're sharing with you. So yeah. uh, build, building, Jen, on that 2017, I had some stats pulled from the CDC um, on suicides. They just released their 2020 provisional report and they, you know, they always like to, you know, it's the reason why we track things in years so we can compare years and see if things are getting better or worse. Right. Right. It's mm -hmm. just a little sidebar. It's one of the interesting things about, um, COVID in that they have never reset the board like January 1st, 2021. I thought they were going to zero everything out and start the count over again. And they haven't. 
And I just oh. think that muddies the water even more. So anyway, a uh, little, little tangent there. Yeah. So, well, it's always easier to compare when you have it year by year. <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> isn't that a little easy? So um, what, what's been published by the CDC for suicides, 2017, 47,173. 2018, 48,344. 2019, 47,511. 2020, 44,834. Now, keep in mind a couple things, um, audience. One, this is all ages. Okay, this is not, is, those numbers weren't just children. Um, but, and also keep in mind that 2020 is still not finalized. These, and, and the CDC states very clearly that these numbers are still underreported because they're still in the process of, of data acquisition and, and verification. So that, and that's fair. That's actually normal on a yearly basis. So 2017, 2018, 2019, those are final numbers, okay? 2020 though, they're saying 44,834, meaning that it's gone down. It's actually, they're saying that in 2020, the number of suicides is less than in 2017. Now, <laughs> just right off the bat, Jen, does that make sense to you? Does it make sense that in, in the most stressful year in recent history, at the very least, if not human history altogether, right? In the most stressful year in recent history, that there would be fewer suicides than in previous years? Does that make any sense to you? Right, it doesn't. And I feel like there's just so much stress within families and society um, year after year increasing, and especially what we've been going through for the last 18 plus months. So I guess it's a little difficult to comprehend that that number is showing up lower than than the previous year. Right, and and, and I agree with you. And so I, I did a little bit more digging because I, I, I wanted to look at overdoses. You know, oftentimes, um, at least the way it looks to me when I'm, I'm looking at the data on the CDC site, it looks like overdoses, drug overdoses, get listed not as suicides, but get listed as unintentional accidents. Right. And, and I think that's a disservice. And at the very least, they should be pulled out as their own category, right? So that we can yeah. kind of see, well, how many, of, how many Americans are overdosing? Because overdosing speaks to two issues, addiction problems, but also yeah. speaks to mental health. And I think it's an important stat that needs to be drawn out. If we can measure and, and keep track of diabetes and heart attacks and cancer and things like that. Now, COVID, I got to try not to get a COVID stat. Um, if we can look at those things, then we should be able to have an honest conversation about, well, how many people are ODing? You know, yeah. um, whether it's intentional or unintentional, because some many times in, in my professional experience, overdoses, when you look at the clinical history and their mental health history, they might have been an accident, but it wasn't, you know, it, they were on this path to self-destruction the whole time. Right. So, so we looked at the overdose numbers. And so let me give you those overdose numbers. Um, according to the CDC, again, this is all data published by the CDC. Um, and, and again, this is all age ranges. We couldn't, I couldn't find a breakdown by age. I'll, I'll keep looking for one, but I couldn't find one. Um, so 2017, 71,595. So that's our bar, 71,000 right there. 2018, it goes down a little bit, 68,699. 
2019 goes back up a little bit. And this is kind of a normal fluctuation. 2019, 72,151. But here's where it gets crazy, folks. 2020, 93,398. And the CDC says this is still underreported. Let me give that to you again. 2020, 93,398 drug-related overdoses. That's an increase from 2019 to 2020. That's an increase of 30.9%. That is a red flag for alarm fire if there ever is one in statistical analysis for something like this. Jen, what do you think about what I just said? Well, that's just a massive increase in just over one year. So um, I don't know. I'm not sure if something else is going on there or what, but to have such a huge jump, you know, from 2019 to 2020 um, for overdoses is pretty intense to think about that. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's, it, it's, 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 just, it, it's really hard to put words to it because it just, it really blows my mind. And then, um, you know, what you were saying before is, you know, separating out overdoses um, due to drug addiction versus suicide, you know, that to me, I think would be huge, um, you know, to have that data to be able to start piecing together, like, how can we help these people or these kids or, you know, where are we going to focus on stuff and just lumping it all together just doesn't really make sense to me. I agree. I think it even hides some of the data. You yeah, know, I mean, I mean, we I don't think there's any doubt that in 2020, more people committed suicide than prior years. You know, uh, I, I've actually seen preliminary data that suggests that that number is 56,000 or higher for suicides, not counting drug overdose, just suicides. So right. the, that the CDC is admitting that the 2020 data is underreported, you know, that's an admission. But I, I think we have to look at the full scope. And that's where it's important for us and especially going to be important for parents. It's and, and so many, unfortunately, so many families can attest to this, you know, Suicide is, is one thing, and it's, it's a tragedy, right? But drug overdose is, in my opinion, an equal cry for help. You know, yeah. when we're, so we're, we're still talking about the same things, mental health issues. And one of the things that I'm really concerned about right now with, with what we've all been through over the last 18 months is everyone's mental health. Because we're seeing even some of the strongest people, like the people who are just rocks, you know, that you can always count on and depend on. We're, I'm seeing them in my personal life. I'm seeing their mental ability fray. Like they're, they're reaching breaking points as well. And so if the people who are the most, uh, have the strongest and the most uh, resilient mental health are fraying, what does that say about the people who started out maybe in a really dire, desperate state of mind. It, to me, it says that we have to really talk about the decisions that are being made because the longer this goes on, the longer that there is um, uncertainty about the future, the greater likelihood that we're going to see these numbers only continue to increase. And that's what the trends have been, uh, at, uh, according to the CDC, because they have published data actually all the way through January of, of 2021. And the numbers just go up. We haven't seen suicides and we haven't seen um, drug overdoses start to decline yet, which is yeah. to me a big warning sign. Well, and there, there really are some severe struggles going on, you know, mental health wise. And 
we really we can't be embarrassed to talk about these things. Right. You know, it, it's just like this stigma and it's it shouldn't be that way. Like people need help. We all need help at some point, but this should not be something that we're afraid or embarrassed to talk about. And I, you know, I think that's part of the problem. Well, I, I've joked for the last couple months that it seems like everybody in the world needs a, a, a timeout in a juice box. You know, <laughs> we, need to, we need to be given a blanket and go told to lay down and take your little galactic grape juice box and enjoy it and have a nap. Right. Sign me up. <laughs> and, right. And, and I say that jokingly to kind of take the edge off. But right. I, I think what we all really need is a hug. And I mean that sincerely. I think everybody yep. needs a big, long hug. You know, that everything is going to be all right. Um, and the people that are making things chaotic and making it worse for everybody, we're going to get them out of positions of authority because they've proven that they don't deserve to be there because they've proven that they're caring more about themselves than they are the people that they claim to be serving. Again, my professional opinion. So, right. Jen, um, tell me, uh, you were you were you actually shared something that was disturbing. I'm going to tell everybody right now listening. This segment of the show is going to be a little disturbing. All right. This it's going to be a little disturbing. We don't do that to make you feel bad. We do that to inform you. And so that we can set up in the final segment after the next commercial break, we can set up to show you solutions that are going to make you feel really good. So hang in there because we know this is not an easy topic. So just hang in there with us. We're going to be there with you every step of the way. And we're going to get you to that good place by the end of the show where you get real solutions that work like a charm. Okay. So uh, Jen, you were telling me something that was really disturbing. Um, and just to the point where, you know, you're shaking your head, but it's like, it, it actually sent, you know, chills down my spine. Yeah. Um, uh, can you explain to our audience what a suicide pact is and how did you even come across any of this information? Um, well, a suicide pact is basically two or more people um, that take their lives at the same time using the same means. Um, usually they have um, bonded over something or have confided in each other. Um, a lot of times this goes unnoticed because they kind of just keep it to themselves. Um, you know, what's pretty disturbing too is, you know, while doing research, um, you know, coming across a lot of information saying that there's actually websites that promote this type of stuff. And- um, Wait, 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 stop. What? <laughs> I know, I know. There, there, I've come there's across- websites that promote people taking their own life? And, yes. and doing it in in packs with other people. Yeah, well, and then there's also a particular social media um, site that I've come across as well, and I haven't seen it on there. I've read about it that um, people will actually use certain types of hashtags as kind of like a code for self harm. Um, and you know, I really think that a lot of times that this is glorified, and you know, you have these younger people that are hurting in some way and maybe feel disconnected or alone. And then, you know, they, they see these sites and they connect with people and they feel like somebody else is feeling what they're feeling and going through what they're going through. And, and, you know, and then things happen and it's, it's horrible. I just, I cannot even believe that this type of stuff exists. It just, it makes me sick. And forgive me that I, I just I needed a second right there. That that's I think every parent can feel the weight of, of that. 
you know, that not only is, is suicide just completely tragic, but that to have the, the idea that there are people out there so sick and twisted that they can put up a site like that and that that site, which clearly is intended to advocate for self-harm, can be, can exist. Yeah. Me meanwhile, scientists who want to talk about how to cure, how to treat, how to help, are getting censored. This doesn't, this, this, it just doesn't make any sense, you know, yeah. um, and it's so easily accessed too, which is even more disturbing, you know? It, it's, you know, Jen, it, it's really like, it's really why parents, I, I got to tell you, you know, um, it's so important to hug your children every day. Just to, it, it's amazing the healing power of a hug and embrace and, and not just a hug, you know, where we have that little distance between our chests and everything and stuff like that. And we've pulled our hips away. I'm talking about a hug where you grab your kid, basically lifting them almost off their feet if if you are able to, right? And you hug them until they relax into your embrace. And we'll talk a little bit more in the next segment about why that's so important and what's happening in their nervous systems when you do that. But that's your that's your sign that you know they feel reassured when you can hug someone and they relax into your hug. That's when you know the hug has been medicinal. Um, so, and oh my God. Well, I don't want to cut you off. No, 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 <laughs> well, fine. I was just I, gonna. I, it's just, it's such I know. A hard topic. So, what were, you, what were you gonna say, Jen? I, I just I get choked up about a lot of this. But um, well, I was gonna ask you, what do you feel, or why do you feel so many children are using suicide packs, and do you think that drugs play any role in these numbers? Well, you know, I, I was reading something on NPR, and we'll provide a link to it. Um, uh, we, it showed that uh, the majority of the drug overdoses were fentanyl-related, so an, an opioid-related. Uh, um, you know, and that, that, so that's not so definitively yes, and we know that um, suicidal ideation has been definitively linked to the use of antidepressants. I mean, if you go to rxlist.com or... Um, you know, or some kind of place where you can look up and read about the pharmaceuticals, you'll find black box warnings that show that there's suicidal ideation with, you know, uh, indicate or possible with the use of that, that pharmaceutical. So the answer for the, the drug part is, is yes. So especially if your kid is on an antidepressant already, you, you have to know that that's a warning sign right off the bat. But I think when we get down to it, you know, and, and talking with my son, who's a teenager and, and listening to his friends, you know, sometimes you get to listen in on the conversations, you know, when they're <laughs> in the car, sometimes you wish you did, you couldn't listen in. Cause you're like, my God, what are these kids talking about? Um, but uh, you know, I, I listen in as, you know, as much as I can. And um, my son just is really open with me. And I really am grateful to him uh, for that. He's not a typical, you know, teenager. He's not the stereotypical teenager. Um, you know, my sense is that these, these kids just, they feel alone, number one. Um, and I think that's a function of all the isolation. And, and I also think that they really feel like they don't have a future because they're getting bombarded all the time with problems. 
the world yeah. is, you know, the, uh, the global warming, right? The, and they don't see us doing anything about the oceans to clean up the oceans. They don't see us doing anything about planting trees. They see people spending billions of dollars and talking about solutions and never actually doing any solutions. The solution can't be, hey, we're going to lower emissions. You know what? How about we plant some trees? We've been deforesting the whole planet for 150 years. How about we just do the obvious thing and plant more trees, you know, plant, you know, I've done some research on this with a few friends and we've calculated that if we just planted 10, uh, excuse me, if we planted a tree for every person on the planet every year for 10 years, climate change stops. If Amazing. Then take a, another step and clean up the oceans while it's happening to help restore the microflora in the oceans and, and the, the coral reefs and things like that. It, it not only stops, it reverses. So the solutions are really simple. We just have to stop mucking it up, you know, and I think kids on a certain level understand this and their questions are, why aren't we doing things? The obvious solution, why, if one and one equals two, why aren't we adding one and one together to get two? Why are we debating about this and politicizing it? Um, yeah. And, and you have those big, huge, you know, long-term impacts that really are falling into their laps, you know, essentially. Right. And then, you know, you also have to think about the, the stresses of, you know, fitting in at school with peers, doing well with the normal the great, stuff, right? Exactly. And then also, you know, now the kids have access to, you know, everything online, whereas when I was growing up, they didn't. So it, it, it's so much. It's like one I thing mean, after the next. Right, it's a lot. Right. Exactly. Think about what, like, when you compare how we grew up, right? And I'm I'm from the rotary phone age, right? <laughs> me know? too, me too. <laughs> and when when where how we grew up to how they're growing up, they're being faced with real world adult problems without having real world adult maturity to to understand them. And and of course, most of the people we think are adults aren't acting maturely either. <laughs> but you have global warming, you have COVID, you have um, the world in utter chaos right now, and for 18 months. Uh, you for the previous four years, they were told to uh, live under the um, illusion that the uh, president of the United States was uh, a, was going to kill everybody. Uh, before that, you know, I mean, before that, you get into you know um, uh, issues of of normal issues of bullying at school and trying to fit in and all this. I mean, it's a constant barrage for these kids of terrible things. Yep. You know, and so what, of course, that's going to have a tremendously negative impact on their mental health and, and kind of set the stage for this. So my, my question for you is, I'm a parent, I, I want to know more about what I should be on the lookout for. So when we're thinking about our children, who would be more likely to take their own lives, you know, and, and I, I think uh, with that, you know, let me, let me tell you where I'm going with that. You yeah. know, what are some of the really serious red flag warnings for, you know, suicidal thinking behaviors uh, that, you know, parents and maybe even their friends can be on the lookout for? Well, you know, I think that some of the red flags, you know, withdrawing from family and friends is huge. Um, mood swings, any type of risky behaviors, self-destructive behaviors, uh, they could, you know, become continuously aggressive uh, maybe agitated. Um, some other bigger key signs would be, you know, giving away belongings for no apparent reason. Mm. Um, 
you know, uh, talking, and this is another one too, you know, talking about not being here anymore, or, you know, I'm not going to be missed if I'm gone, stuff like that, just, you know, negative self views, negative self talk, you know, and then you get into substance abuse and stuff like that. You know, with all that said, too, those are huge red flags. Um, But you, you know, I I was a middle school teacher, I've been a middle school teacher for a while. And it's not uncommon to hear, um, or see some of this behavior just uh, as like a typical kind of thing. So, you know, but, but in my opinion, if you're seeing or hearing any of this, th- it doesn't matter if they're just saying it because they're angry or they're saying it because they truly feel that they won't be missed if they're gone. You, you really need to get in there and start supporting that kid, you know, find them some help because you just have to, I guess what I'm trying to say is you just really need to take these things seriously. So you know, I'm glad you say it like that. I'm going to share with the audience. I didn't know I was going to do this, but I'm going to share with the audience a personal story. Um, when I was uh, when, a couple decades ago, when I was in my, my mid-20s, um, I almost, I came really close to committing suicide. Uh, and it was, um, I, I remember the feeling of, uh, I, I was uh, really frustrated uh, with my family because, um, and, and not because they did anything wrong. All right, I want to. I want to make sure everybody's really, uh, really clear with that. Not because they did anything wrong, but because I didn't know how to express to them what I was feeling and what I needed. You know, yeah. I, I needed, and I mean this. I needed a hug. I, I can tell you, I wanted someone to reach out and grab me and hug me and just hold me like my grandmother used to do. I, I, it was one of yeah. my favorite things as a kid. Whenever something was wrong, grandma would just grab me and be like, she'd hug me until it's it was awesome. all better, right? <laughs> and, and I didn't know how to express that need to my family. And they didn't know that I needed it that much because so often people who are in the most need play the best game of poker, yeah. you know? And so I think this is why it's important for us to be nosy with especially with our kids and to ask how they're doing every day. I, I would rather be annoying and know that the biggest issue between us is I've been a little annoying than to not ask a question and find out that my God, my kid needed me to ask them what was going on. You know, yeah. I mean, what, mm-hmm. a, what a terrible, what a terrible thing to, to even um, consider. So, you know, um, well, what, well, what do you think are some of the risk factors that impact suicidal thoughts in our young people? You know, I, I can't get away, Jen, from the reality of just how overwhelming everything has been in the last 18 months. There's literally been no let up, right? Yeah. There's been, there hasn't been a literal day off a light at the end of the tunnel where you felt like, okay, we're through this. It's all been a psych, you know, like, oh, we're almost there. We're almost psych. We're yep. almost there. We're almost there. Put on the mask. We're almost there. We're almost there. Okay. You got to get this, this shot. We're almost there. We're almost there. Oh, well, nope, no, we can't. Now we got to lock everything back down again, or at least talk about, oh, you're, you're going to go to school and there's not going to be any mask. Oh, nope, nope. We changed. Our-. There's been this constant psych. So if I'm a kid, what is there for me to trust in? The only thing I well, can trust in is that that the people in charge, number one, don't know what they're doing. And that if I'm a kid, the only thing I can trust in is that I can't take you at your word. 
And I think one of the things that we have to establish with our children is that trust, that, that basic trust that what I say is going to happen and let me prove it to you. Everything is going to be all right. Here's how we're going to get there. That plan has never been clearly elucidated. I mean, I've I've uh, been in conversations with state health departments, urging them to issue nutritional guidance for all kids, urging them to issue um, echo-friendly cleansers and UV lighting in classrooms so nobody has to be afraid. But it feels to me, the longer we've gone on with this, that the people in these public health departments and, and many elected officials and appointed officials want people to be scared. And I think that's just such a terrible thought to have, because I, you know, I, it's it's a thought of mine. You know, I'm not saying that it's it's actually what's happening, but what I am saying is that people are scared, and I don't see us doing enough to reassure. And I think one of those things we can do to reassure, and I've and I've talked about this ad nauseum for over a year now, is if we can publish how many cases there are and hospitalizations and deaths, can we publish how many recoveries there are? Because recoveries yeah. tell people that, hey, there's hope. So that's that's actually data that uh, that I've been publishing for over a year is, you know, based upon some some simple CDC calculations, you know. Um, it really would be amazing to have some positive light, you know, exactly. because I, I also feel, you know, that's all going on. And um, you have these families that are feeling the stress and right. a lot like some you know, some people do a better job than others handling stress, or maybe it's just a particular day, but then your kids, I don't care how young or old they are, they definitely feel the stresses from the families as well. So, and, and when, and, and when we lose hope, right, when we lose hope, crazy, no, I shouldn't say crazy. That's, that's, forgive me for that. When we lose hope, dark thoughts start to enter in. Yeah. Right? And I, I yeah. think that's what I want to make sure we're giving to our kids is hope, reassurance, encouragement, support, love, you know, so that they know we're going to get through this, right? Yeah. This isn't, this isn't the end of our story. And this is certainly not going to be the end of their story. Their story is going to be a beautiful, bright future that we're going to help create moving forward. So folks, it's time to take for, I think for us all to just take a mental health break. If you're watching, listening to this on a replay, maybe a good time to push pause and go walk outside for a second, right? Um, uh, But stay tuned because we have a lot of positive solutions and great ideas for how you can protect your children right after these messages. It was a vision that gave birth to a unique multimedia platform that would combine classic talk radio, great writers, and memorable podcasts and videos. AmericaOutloud.com is a conservative leader in a field that is predominantly run by far-left progressive globalists. Welcome to the new era in communications, America Out Loud Talk Radio. Have questions about vaccines? Want to know more about the COVID inoculations so you can decide whether or not they're right for you? At the Energetic Health Institute, we'll never tell you what to do because we believe that's your right to decide. But we can share information about the ingredients, the Vaccine Adverse Events Reporting System, the 1986 National Childhood Vaccine Injury Act, and how vaccines are surveilled so you can know which ones have done what they promised and which ones haven't. 
Check out our Vax 101 six-week specialty course starting on August 20th and get the truth hiding in plain sight so you always have the power to call the shots. Enroll today and save big on tuition that's already affordable. Each week we'll have a live Zoom masterclass so we can discuss the latest information on COVID and answer all your questions. And we'll also show you how to optimize your nervous system and immune systems naturally. So you or a loved one has been injured, if that's happened, you can do something about it. Go to energetichealthinstitute.org and check out Vax 101 so you can use your freedom to call the shots. All right. Well, welcome back, everyone. Now it's time to pick the energy up. All right. We are going to finish positive. We're going to finish strong and we're going to finish making sure that you feel good. So we hope, of course, that you're seeing the elephant in the room. Um, And I've certainly been guilty. And I I, want to do a little confession here, I guess. I've been guilty over the last 18 months of of getting so engrossed in in the COVID work or my own preoccupations with other work-related responsibilities as I've been trying to navigate all the changes and everything and the stresses that the public health policies have created uh, in my life and my family's life, uh, that there have been days um, here and there, but there have been days where I didn't spend the time with my son that he deserved or that I wanted to spend with him. Um, And that's going to happen from time to time. That doesn't make you a bad parent. So if that's happened to you too, don't judge yourself. Okay. Uh, The key is to make sure that those days don't turn into weeks. And the key is to make sure that we are doing things that are going to prevent that experience from from becoming normal. Uh, So I've started doing a few things each day to make sure that my teen uh, knows that he's loved without limits. You can go to our first uh, podcast, the replay, if you want to get more on that topic. Uh, From when he wakes up uh, in the morning to right before he goes to bed at night. And uh, so we're going to share, Jen and I are going to share some healthy solutions here, uh, some things that we've seen work that are, we think are really great ideas. And and quite frankly, some of the things you might already be doing, but maybe there's a few other ideas that you're not. Um, So Jen, uh, what can we do as parents to stay connected with and reassure our children so we can help them navigate these trying times? Well, I think, you know, you've mentioned this before, but, you know, always, always talk to them, check in with them every day. It doesn't matter how busy you are, you've got to find a way to communicate with them. Um, You know, I just want to share this super quick idea because I thought this was pretty fabulous. I know um, this amazing woman, she has a few kids, super, super busy mom. um, And she was a little bit concerned about not being able to connect face-to-face with her kids and sit down and chat every day. So she started this thing where she gave each one of her kids a notebook and it was their notebook. Um, And then they would get to write to their mom in the notebook, whatever they wanted to. It could be one sentence. It could be three pages. It did not matter. Mm -hmm. And then they would put that notebook in a special spot for mom to check. And mom would then respond in the notebook, you know? And I think that that's such a fabulous way to connect with your kids if you're super busy. But the one thing I have to say about that is, you know, moms, dads, whoever the adult is doing that with the kids, you you really, you got to make sure that you're responding all the time. Otherwise it's just not going to work. And Mm -hmm. I think the other really cool thing about that is that, you know, 
some kids don't want to talk about certain situations face to face with their parent because it's just difficult sometimes. So allowing the kid to be able to write to you sometimes opens that door to be able to have some difficult conversations that are really needed. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and other than that, I mean, just, just tell your kids that you care, tell them you love them constantly. It doesn't matter if they don't say it back to you, they hear you, mm-hmm. you know, and, and they're, you're not always going to hear it back from them, but it's okay. Just keep telling them that because like I said, they, they do hear it. So um you know Amen. and is there it, anything that you do um with your with your children specifically um you know i think what's super important for me is if my kids want to snuggle with me and i can drop everything <laughs> and go sit there and snuggle with them i am going to do it if they want to you know, just a week ago, one of them wanted to paint my toenails all crazy. And, you mm-hmm. know, part of me is like, oh, I'm going to go out in public looking like, you know, a teenager with all these crazy little things on my toes. But who cares? Like made my kids super happy. And, you know, I just just talking to them and, you know, doing those things. One of my other kids likes to mess around with hair and makeup and ask me if she could mm-hmm. do that for me. And, you, you know, y- you may not necessarily want to sit and do that at the time, but just understand how good that's going to make the kid feel. And it's going to create more of a bond and a connection, you know, with you and your kid. So those, and, you know, getting outside for us is super important. We're always outside in nature doing what we can. So, well, what about you? What do you do um, with your son to make sure that he feels loved and reassured? Well, you know, you know, and, and I'm not, and I want the audience to know, I'm not saying this so that I can brag or say that I'm some perfect dad. I'm far from, from perfect at anything. But yeah, me I do too. <laughs> my best to be loving, you know, as best I can. And I do my best to put myself in my my son's shoes and especially to think, okay, if I was his age, what would, you know, what would I want? What would I need? Like, you know, referencing back to that time when I needed a hug, you know what I mean? Just trying to anticipate what they might need without being overbearing. And it's such a balance, you know, because there's that that point where you could actually just be overbearing you know, on your, well, and, and but that. that's the thing too, though, if you mess up and you make a mistake or you're cranky and you yell at your kid for a second, you know, it, they, they get it. They understand that you're human, just apologize and, and move forward and show them that love. And I think, you know, it'll be okay. Very, so. very, very true. So one of the things I, I'm, I'm really OCD, so I need routine and I need structure, you know, and then I, I and then I can re keep recreating, an experience and the experience that in, in my home that I want to create every morning is, is one of love from the moment everyone wakes up. So when I wake up, I go to all my little fuzzy babies and, and tell them how much I love them. And I go to my woman, yep. of course, and tell her how much I love her. Um, and I go to my son and I, we start, I, I'm really loving to teach him about a variety of cultures, you know, so yep. we greet now um, and I'll say to him, assalamu alaikum. And he'll say back to me, and that means may God bestow peace upon you. And then his response is may God bestow peace upon you as well. So we, we really fell in love with that phrasing. Um, and so, and after that, as soon as he's up, all right, I love you. Let's, let's get going, you know? And so what would I have him do is some self-care stuff for him every morning. And that is, he's going to go out and he's got to do uh, meditation, prayer, you know, and he goes through the 20 questions, the love without limits questions that we shared in the first episode. He goes and gets those and those really help get, a, I, I can't speak highly enough about those questions. They really help get your mind right for the day. 
You know, my yeah. days where I start my days with them versus the days I don't are night and day difference. Um, he'll often then do a, a yoga practice or, or do a, a sweat so he can just, you know, get his, get his body right and everything. Uh, we'll work out together. We, 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 um, we're learning, I'm a, he's learning how to fight. So, you know, I teach him how to fight um, using uh, American Kempo, Ed Parker's uh, American Kempo. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, so, it, but it's, it's that father son time. And one of the things I've learned over the last 18 months is how important it is for me to make sure that he gets one day a week, that there's one day every week he knows is just for me and him. You know what I mean? So I never get too far away and, and he knows that that's important to me. So, and that will be us going out to nature, whether we're hiking, whether we're um, going to the gun range, whether we're, you know, whether we're going out on kayaks, no matter what it is, right. Um, we, we go and do something together every single week. And usually it's outdoor kind of activity, especially, you know, during the summer and stuff like that. Um, I do think it's really important parents, and I know how hard it can be, but to have a meal with your kids every day, I think it's so crucial to sit down, to not have the phones on, you know, and just talk, even if it's just dead airspace for a few minutes, who cares? just to sit down and have a meal with your kids. Cause that's something that is very reassuring. And also you get to know what they're eating, which is very, <laughs> especially for a teen. Um, and then I started doing something that has actually been really successful in just in the last couple of days. And that is um, I, I've, cause you know, I, I, I want my son to have the connection of, of, you know, his friends. So he goes out and hangs out with his friends, but he, they also play video games on their kids. Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, so, I, but I, I said, look, there's going to be a specific time where the video games are off every night. And, and once those games are off, I don't want you going to sleep with what happened in the game in your head. I want you to go to sleep with something else in your head. So he comes out and he just sits in the room and reads with me. You know, and I think it gives us some, you know, some family time, even if we're, even though we're not engaging, just being in the same room is very reassuring, but it I also, you know, That's what I'm saying? Great. it, it yeah. also helps chill out his mind from the video games and get into more of a, oh, okay, I just learned something cool, new, if he's studying something he wants to learn, or if he's reading a story, you know? Um, so that's been really successful. And, and then we have a little thing from the Wiz. Do you remember the, uh, the movie, the Wiz uh, with uh, Michael Jackson and, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so um, it's one of our favorite movies. And so since he was a little guy, uh, at, at the end of the night, I would go in and we would say, ease on down, ease on down, ease on down the road. <laughs> nice. Don't you carry nothing that might be a load. Go on, ease on down, ease on down, down the road. Dun, dun, dun. And that's how we would. And we've been doing that since he was like two. Right. You know? That's awesome. So he's a teenager. And yes, I don't care. I'm going to be hugging and, you know, snuggling with my son and, you know, for every until he's 47. I don't care. I'll pick him <laughs> up. Right. <laughs> you know, so there are some nights where still, especially if it's been a hard day, you know, or if I think he's just needs a little bit, you know, a, a reminder of the good that's in the world, I will. We'll end the night with their like, oh, he's I don't care that he's a teenager and about to, you know, be off in college. I'll go tuck him in. 
at night. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, you know, so. He, um, I bet you he appreciates that, though. He may not show it, you know, because he's a teenager, but. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> but I think that's as a as a parent where sometimes you just got to just DGAF, you know, I just don't <laughs> care. I am going to do this because I'm your dad, I'm your mom, you know, and and things like that. And because and where it comes from, and I think this is the biggest message that we can share with everybody, where it comes from is a place of love. Yep. And what's going to get us through this crazy time period? Love. What's going to help our kids navigate through all this? Love. And our expressions of love towards them that are open and, and obvious and constant. You know, a constant reminder uh, to someone that you are loved is a constant reminder that there's something worth living for. And I think that's the best medicine for people that may be going through tough times in terms of their mental health. Yeah. A reminder that there's something worth living for, you know, and yeah. that's each other. So, uh, Jen, thank you so much. Great show today. Hard show, but great show. Yeah. And I hope everybody listening really enjoyed it. Um, uh, you know, any, any uh, quick last final thoughts? Um, no, you know, I just feel like it was a super heavy topic and I just really like that we were able to talk about some of the positive things that we can do, um, and share that with, with our audience. All right. Well, folks, I really appreciate you hanging in there with us through these tough topics. We're, we're going to make sure we have a sorbet next week to cleanse the palate and, uh, and keep you uplifted, making sure that you can tap into the power you always and already possess. Um, as far as it goes, if you have questions or comments, you can send them to I am powerful at energetichealthinstitute.org. Uh, make sure you check out some of the other great um, broadcasts and shows on the America Out Loud uh, platform. And uh, also check us out at energetichealthinstitute.org. We would love to meet you and we would love to share with you what we love so much, which is helping people um, heal. <laughs> you know, something that we need a lot more of in our world, uh, yep. just helping each other heal. So with all that being said, I want to say, uh, may your creator shine his divine light down upon you, everyone you love, and surround you in the protection of his warm embrace. Peace.